Welcome to my podcast, The Cross in the Desert, speaking hope and freedom to Iran. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and thank you so much for taking time out of your precious life to listen to my podcast. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know that I'm dedicated to the freedom and human rights of all Iranians, and I focus on the issue of women's rights in particular in Iran. On today's podcast, I want to change that focus to the women of Saudi Arabia because a couple of years ago through Facebook, a young girl in Saudi Arabia fleeing her family contacted me. And through that, we became good friends. And I want to share with you a little bit about her story because she is a symbol for the oppression of women in Saudi Arabia. In my recent book, Broken Yet Beautiful, Rising Up from Their Ashes, a book dedicated to the rights of women all over the world and the freedom of women to teach in churches, I dedicated my book to my friend Amna. And I want to read to you a little bit about her story so that you can focus in on the lives of women in Saudi Arabia. Maybe you're not as much aware about the oppression of women there. Well, in this podcast, I want to enlighten you and educate you. But first, the story about my dear friend, Amna. Amna Aljuwaid contacted me on Facebook in, Facebook in 2016 and asked me to be a voice for her and all Saudi women. I immediately agreed and began to write about the plight of Saudi women and their struggle against the male guardianship law. In Saudi Arabia, a woman must have the approval of a male, which can be her brother, father, or husband, in order to make an important decision in her life. She cannot travel, get a job, go to the hospital, or leave her home without first getting a man's approval. Women are treated like minors or second-class citizens in this misogynistic culture and imprisoned from the rest of the world through gender segregation. I would meet with my friend Amna on video chats, and during our time together, I assured Amna that I was sharing the stories of oppressed women in the Saudi kingdom on my radio program. And she was very grateful for my support, and before we ended our video chat, I would spend a few minutes praying for her desperate situation. I could see the despair and sadness in her eyes, But after my prayer, I noticed a little glimmer of hope breaking through. In October of 2017, just two years ago, when Amna could no longer endure keeping silent, she decided to make a video and share her story on social media. She explained that for many years, she had been the victim of her father's abuse and was forced to marry her cousin. Unable to enduring the continuing oppression and abuse, one night she escaped from her home. She was just desperate for freedom. For more than a year and a half, Amna hid herself away with other women who were also in the same situation. Leaving home without permission is a crime in Saudi Arabia and brings shame and dishonor to the family reputation. Shortly after Amna uploaded her video, She was arrested and placed in a detention facility, which is in reality 
a prison for women claiming family abuse. In this particular prison facility, women have reported being physically assaulted and raped by the guards. I want to share with you that after I wrote this dedication for Amna in my book, just the month it was released, she was set free from that detention facility. Unfortunately, I have had no contact with her since August of last year, and she probably went back with her family, but she desperately tried to escape the situation in Saudi Arabia, and she was not successful. There have been several Saudi women that have escaped. In fact, there were two Saudi women that came and lived here in the United States just about a year ago, and because of not getting the help they needed to stay here, they both ended up committing suicide together in the Hudson River. It has been just a horrible plight of freedom for Saudi women. But in my book, Broken Yet Beautiful, I wrote a section talking about the male guardianship law in Saudi Arabia. And on this podcast today, I want to explain to you the situation for women in Saudi Arabia. On June 24th, 2018, the world witnessed an historic milestone take place in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. After decade of protests, the driving ban against women was finally lifted and for the first time now, women can legally be issued driver's license and sit proudly behind the wheel of a car without going to jail again. Can you imagine the hysteria of after decades of being treated like this, they're finally allowed to give a driver's license and drive a car? Well, you have to understand something about the government of Saudi Arabia. They always do things for a reason, for a purpose, for their economy. But wait a minute. There's something more to this story you need to know. While this is a historic accomplishment in a nation hostile to the rights of women, still, it is a very long road ahead for women to finally experience true freedom. Most every Saudi woman will tell you that until the male guardianship law is finally repealed, they will still be under the domination of a man. Let me explain something to you about the background in Saudi Arabia before I talk about the male guardianship law. You need to know about the form of Islam in Saudi Arabia. It's called Wahhabism. Wahhabism was born through a radical 18th century Muslim reform movement. The purification of Islam took place through the efforts of Muhammad ibn al-Hawaband and was finally adopted by the Saudi family back in 1744. Members of Wahhabism call themselves Unitarians. They have a strong emphasis on the absolute oneness of God. In Arabic, this is known as Tahid. They reject the practice of visiting tombs, venerating saints, advocating a return to the original teachings of Islam, which is incorporated in both the Quran and Hadith. They also stress a literal belief in the Quran and the establishment of a Muslim state based solely on Sharia law. Now the Wahhabis occupied Mecca and Medina at the end of the 18th century, bringing everything under their control. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia was created in 1932, assuring the religious and political dominance of Wahhabism. 
Many of the sites associated with the early history of Islam, that are homes, graves, or companions of Muhammad, were demolished in order to purify the holiness of this religion. Both Britain and the United States subsidized Saudi Arabia in 1945, right after World War II, and enabled them to join the United Nations. While the driving ban has been lifted, as I mentioned, more than likely for economic reasons, really, rather than women's rights, there is still a great chasm for females to cross until they have obtained equal rights in Saudi Arabia. The rules for the male guardianship law still prohibit so much of women's freedoms despite a few glimpses of hope along the way. Let me mention what that hope was. In 2015, women were able to cast ballots for the first time during municipal elections, but they couldn't speak to male voters or couldn't have men and women mixing in their campaign offices. The late King Abdullah issued a decree in 2011 that gave women the vote and two years later ordered 20% of seats in the conservative council to be set aside for women. In 2015, there were more Saudi women studying in universities than men. And a few years earlier, in 2012, Saudi Arabia sent two women to the Olympics. But even with these little glimpses of victory in the past, and now with the driving ban being lifted, but probably for economic reasons, not for women's rights, let me explain what Saudi women still cannot do. Saudi women cannot divorce, travel, get a job, or have surgery first without permission from their male guardians. Saudi women cannot mix freely with members of the opposite sex. In 2013, authorities ordered shops that both employ men and women to build what's called separation walls to prevent sexes from co-mingling. Saudi women cannot appear in public without wearing a full-length black abaya, which is supposed to protect a woman's modesty in public. Saudi women cannot conduct certain businesses without a male sponsor. If a woman wants to own her own business, she has to call at least two men who can testify of her character in order to have a loan approval or even a license. Saudi women cannot apply for a national identification card or passport. Do you know they have a tracking device called Absher, which you can download off the internet and a man can track the movements of his female friends and or wives so that it's very difficult for them to to move about or even to leave the country? This app will give them notifications if they try to leave. Saudi women cannot eat at restaurants that don't have a segregated designated family section. Women are also required to use a separate entrance from men. Saudi women cannot retain custody of their children in a divorce. Saudi women cannot get a fair hearing in court. The Quran teaches that their testimony is only worth half that of a man's. And Saudi women cannot receive an equal inheritance. So as I've listed the things Saudi women cannot do under the male guardianship law, you can understand, although there is this restriction lifted on driving, and women can now drive with a license without being arrested, 
Still, the male guardianship law is so oppressive, and every Saudi activist will tell you that this needs to go if there's to be real equality and freedom for women in Saudi Arabia. Now, just a couple of years ago, in April of 2017, the United Nations elected officials from Saudi Arabia to sit on a commission for women's rights. That is insulting to the women of Saudi Arabia who are constantly living under the oppressive dictatorship of men. It's really absurd that a group of men sit on a panel that supposedly promotes women's rights, shaping global standards on gender equality and empowerment of women. How can the United Nations even think of electing a panel of men from Saudi Arabia to speak on behalf of women? UN Watch director Hillel Neuer rightly points out, Every Saudi woman must have a male guardian who makes all critical decisions on her behalf, controlling a woman's life from birth to death. Electing Saudi Arabia to protect women's rights in the UN is like electing an arsonist to become the town fire chief. Now, the panel will serve a four-year term that started April 24th, 2017, and will supposedly terminate in April 2021 next year. Well, I've shared with you today on my podcast the personal story of my friend Amna, and I would certainly ask that you pray for her, that somehow we can be in contact again, and I can know how she's doing. But most importantly, please play. Please pray for the women of Saudi Arabia who want desperately to have equal rights and freedom, something that you and I enjoy here in the United States. They are desperate for the male guardianship law to be finally lifted. God can do all things. Nothing is impossible for God. So please pray for my friends in Saudi Arabia. I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast today and being educated about the oppression of women in Saudi Arabia. Have yourself an incredibly good week. God bless you. And I will see you on the next podcast of The Cross in the Desert.